Anderson. I'm going to repeat that. 37 and a quarter. Curry for the lead. Hey, everyone. Welcome to an all-new Dubstock presented by Wendy's. Raise a glass to Wendy's new bourbon bacon cheeseburger smothered in new bourbon bacon sauce. This is a bourbon masterpiece that you eat at participating U.S. Wendy's. Oh, every time I say it, I get hungry. All right, I'm Grant Liffman with Kendra Andrews, as always. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. This is, you know, we're, we're in what, I mean, for all intents and purposes, that uh, this is the Warriors offseason, right? So this is just, yes, playoffs are going along. And Kendra, actually, I digress for a second here. How much do you just look at the intensity that's happening right now in the playoff games with the crowds and, 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 and just go, mm, it would have been nice to see a Steph and Draymond combination. It would have been very nice. I mean, those guys thrive in the playoffs, particularly Draymond Green, but really both of those guys do. And it's, it's been a while since they've been there since we've experienced the Warriors playoff atmosphere. Chase center has never hosted a playoff anything ever. And being in chase center during that second play in game, you, you could feel that that was going to be a good environment for the playoffs. And yeah, just watching all of the different series right now, there's only been a handful of, of blowouts or boring games. Everything has been just such high level intensity and, and, you do can't help but wonder what if, you know, what would the Warriors look like if they were in the playoffs? What would Draymond Green have done personally? And we're going to have to wait another, what, 12 months <laughs> to figure that out. I know it's, 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 it's disappointing. I actually, again, I'm not going to say that the Warriors would have won their first round matchup. We don't know what would have happened. They would definitely have been underdogs and they would have been very tired coming in. Uh, eight man rotations, but let's, that's the last type of speculation or hypotheticals I'm going to play right now. But I will say that it just would have been fun to see Steph and Draymond back in the playoffs and just that environment and more people and people screaming at them and them screaming back and all those things. It would have been nice, but guess what? We don't live in this little fairy tale. No, we live in reality, Kendra. And reality is they're out. Ugh, just had to burst my bubble like that, Grant. Mr. Negative. <laughs> it, it, it is true. And this is going to be a very big off season for the Warriors for, you know, the very reason they're not in the playoffs. They've missed the playoff two years in a row. And was this year better than last year? 100%. But in order to be back in the playoffs and not just by the skin of their teeth, like they almost were this year, but to really establish themselves as a playoff team and then build themselves back into a championship team. There's a lot of things that need to be done. And, and this offseason, I think, is going to be one of the most important ones in, in, in recent history because they are starting at a different vantage point than they were in years past. Grant, last time we talked, we talked about how they need to add a veteran. They need to take advantage of free agency and add some guys. Bob Myers said that they had some veterans, you know, heading into last season or this season saying if Clay was healthy, then we would have come. If he didn't get injured, we would have come. Clay's coming back. Steph just had an MVP worthy year. Draymond, defensive player of the year. Hopefully that will be enough to entice some veteran players in addition to the young guys who've kind of broken out this year to come. So with that being said, 
I know you have, you sent me like 25 names earlier today (laughs) (laughs) of guys who you think the Warriors should target in this upcoming free agency. So let's run down that list. Talk about, you know, who, who guys would help, who they would have to give up to even get them. So throw, throw out, throw out a name to me. Ooh, okay. Well, I mean, now that the spotlight's on me, I'm maybe take it away. I'm just gonna I, put my feet up. <laughs> I mean, you know, I hate this attention. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So first, it's not as much who they should as much as I think these players will intrigue them, or at least pique their interest a little bit. Um, you know, the there's so much that goes into free agency, including you have to first start with what spots are even available, right? And we look at the roster right now and there's a certain amount of guaranteed spots and there's a certain amount of uh, non-guaranteed and there's a certain amount of options, et cetera. When you really dive deep, unless they make, and, and this is, we're not going to go too hypothetical with trades, et cetera. But if you look at it, let's say there's two or three spots available on the back end, right? That we can say, oh, these are spots the Warriors can add to. Like years past, and this is where I have to preface it, they only have certain resources at their disposal. As a tax team, you only got so much that you can actually do. In this case, for free agents, what they have, uh, they have veteran minimum contracts. You can have unlimited amount of those for the roster. You can do those veteran mins. That's what, how they got Kent Bazemore, for instance, this season over the tax but they also have the taxpayer mid-level exception. There are two mid-level exceptions. You have the standard mid-level exception, which is about nine and a half million, probably next season. And then you have the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is just under 6 million-ish next year. I mean, is that a significant amount? Like when you hear these big contracts, you don't go, oh my God, six versus nine and a half. No, you're usually hearing like, well, they offered 80 versus 55. But remember, this, for instance, was the difference between Serge Ibaka potentially being a warrior because the Clippers gave him the standard tax level, uh, uh, standard mid-level exception for two years. And the Warriors only had the taxpayer mid-level exception. So that is a difference in the end for whom you can take on. So Kendra, have I already bored you out of your mind or are you, are you still good? I'm with you. That was, it was a very good, I learned so much on, <laughs> on these podcasts because so many times I like literally a couple of weeks ago, I texted you and I said, do you understand the cat, like the money side? Yeah. Help, yeah. help a girl out. So this yeah. is great. This is great. I'm taking notes. Okay. So everyone's taking notes, whatever you do, uh, just, just really listen closely. So there'll be a quiz afterwards. So, <laughs> so I I'm getting through the non unsexy stuff, non-sexy, unsexy, whatever okay. stuff first, and then we'll go into the names. So that is what they have at their disposal. As you mentioned before, you also need to remember any of these players need to want to come to the Warriors And so that plays a whole nother factor into this. So the Warriors can like whoever they want, but that doesn't mean that these players want to come to the Warriors. As you saw, as you said, when Clay Thompson got hurt, as Bob Myers said, people didn't want to come as much, right? Maybe this is back to the destination that they want. We will see. So I've categorized them in different ways just to, you know, if I'm sorry to like, I'm throwing such a tease out there. People are going to be so bored when I actually say what they actually are, but 
Um, I've categorized them into different sections, but I think for Warriors fans, for familiarity, we should start with the ones that they could bring back potentially as ex-Warriors. Fair? Yes, very good. Okay, thank you. So the reason we can go into this a little quicker is because we've talked about a little bit of this many, actually many times before on our pause, and that includes Kelly Oubre Jr. So he's the only one on this list that you can go above the mid-level exception for. And that is because the Warriors have bird rights to him. And what does that mean? He's not a restricted free agent. It doesn't mean that they can match anything and then he's theirs. No, instead, what it means is they have the ability to give him as much money as they want, despite being over the tax. Any other team can do it and he can choose wherever he wants to go, but the Warriors have the ability to do that. So that then leads to the question and it's pretty much two parts. Number one, in this case, how much are the Warriors willing to spend? Because remember, any dollar comes with an exorbitant amount of tax money tied to it. So how much are they actually willing to spend to retain Kelly Oubre, whom we've heard they're pretty much designed to say you're a bench player, right? You're a six-man type, seventh-man type. How much can you spend on that? Then on the flip side, what's the market for Kelly Oubre? How much does he want? If he's trying for a certain amount and a team gives that, do the Warriors match that or not? And is Kelly Oubre, uh, this might be end up being the second most important part, is he willing to be a bench player? Or does he say, listen, if I'm signing a two-year, $36 million deal with a team, and I can either be with the Warriors or another team, well, this other team's giving me starter role. And so that increases my chances of getting a bigger deal after that. So those are the things that Oubre will be thinking about, besides the fact he just needs to think about whether he liked his time on the on the team and uh Kendra Bob Myers kind of addressed that too yeah you know Bob Myers said that Kelly Oubre told him told the coaches that he wants to be with Golden State next year and I think you know you can say that because again kind of like what you you said the other day about what Bob Myers said about James Wiseman I don't think well sometimes but not very often does a player walk up to a GM and say, I do not want to be here. It does happen here and there. We 100% have seen that happen, but it's, it's usually more extreme cases where, where a guy really just feels like he has either hit his ceiling with the team. He's extremely unhappy, whatever it may be. And I don't think that that is the case with Kelly Oubre and his experience with Golden State. But what you said before is what I think it's going to come down to. One, what are who are the other prospects for Kelly Oubre? Has he done enough this season to really, really pique the interest of other teams to, to make him a starter, to pay him what he might want to be paid? Because you remember at the beginning of the season, it was a really rocky start. Then yes, he absolutely hit his stride and was doing fantastic things, but then injuries ended his season about three weeks, four weeks early. So it's going to be interesting to see how other teams view him because you got, you got two very different versions of Kelly Oubre. Then I think after kind of seeing what other teams want, how much they're willing to pay him, then Kelly Oubre will really start considering, okay, is it worth just coming off the bench for this team, especially depending on how much they're, they're willing to pay me. If I'm the Warriors, I'm, I'm willing to pay him, but not, 
pay him. You know what I mean? You, you, you do have to be smart about that. You have to think about, you know, and we'll talk about other free agents who, okay, well, who else can we get for how much money? Who do we have already on the team who could fill a role that Kelly Oubre had if he doesn't come back or he's asking for too much money? So it's, it's, I think it's really going to start with, with, what are other teams going to offer Kelly? And, and then that's going to end up determining a whole lot of his decision-making. Absolutely. And for the Warriors, they have to decide his fit because his fit wasn't perfect with the team. Could they adapt? And he was starting to adapt more to the team, but his fit wasn't perfect. So if you're going to spend a ton of money, you have to really think, can he adapt? But let's just be honest. He's still a young player. He hasn't hit that massive payday yet. If you're Kelly Oubre, and this is fair. This is totally fair. I know everyone goes, well, forget money. You just need to win. You know, you're a team. This is a team sport. Well, hold on a second. If he gets a chance to put up starter minutes for a bad team and get paid a good amount of money to do it, that just furthers his career potentially. So that's where I'm looking at with Kelly Uber. I'm saying he's going to try to get as much money as possible and potentially play as much minutes as possible because that is his chance to further his career and better his career. I'm not saying it'll work out for him, but that's something that he'll look for. Could the Warriors then go into a potential sign and trade and all these different scenarios? Yes. But I think if I'm Kelly Oubre, that's probably my first initial gut is going for that. And the Warriors are not that. Yeah. And we've seen that work out with, with other guys around the league. Jeremy Grant is the first name that yep. comes to my mind when you think about a guy who took the exact same amount of money that he was being offered on a current winning team, but said, I need a bigger role. This is where I'm going to really break out of my shell. He's doing that in Detroit right now. And now the possibilities for Jeremy Grant, who finished second in the most improved player category, the, the league is his oyster at this point, you know, when his contract's up, he's going to have so many options. And I, I agree that Kelly Oubre is, is going to have a similar way of thinking. All right. So we've talked about Kelly enough already. This is like the 700th time we mentioned his free agency. So this is, this will cap it off for a while about Kelly Oubre. So let's, we'll speed it up a little bit for a couple warriors. And one of them is Kent Bazemore. And I know there is a love hate relationship for warriors fans with Kent Bazemore, but you have to remember this. Number one, he was playing on a minimum deal. Like he, he was getting, he was playing starter minutes in a role he wasn't supposed to be in. And he actually handled it pretty well. Yes, when he does something reckless or fouls a lot, it's glaring. You see it. Everyone goes, oh, come on. Yeah, it's more on the surface when he messes up. But at the end of the day, Kent Bazemore was incredible value for the Warriors this season. Like probably some of the best value in the NBA to get that much production, that, that good of shooting, that amount of hustle, that, that he was beloved in the locker room, all these different things for the minimum. So I'll put it this way. If Kent Bazemore wants to come back on the minimum, I can, I, I'm not going to say I'll guarantee you the Warriors sign him, but uh, it's pretty close to it. Kent Bazemore would be perfect for the Golden State Warriors again next season. They would have a spot for him if he wants the minimum deal. Could they dip into the mid-level to sign him? Yeah. I mean, they could mess that. I mean, they could look into that. Kent Bazemore took a little less money to come to the Warriors this season. It's up to him. Does he want to do that again? Or does he want to get paid? Because there are going to be teams that will be like, uh, yeah, we'll give him $5 million a year just to do what he did for them because that's incredible value. So I know, again, 
if you're a Warriors fan, take a step back for a second and realize how much and how, how, what he did for the team on that amount of money and what his role would be next season. He wouldn't be playing 30 minutes a game. It'd be more like, let's say, 15, 20. So that's just putting that out there, Kendra, just putting that out there. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how Kent Bazemore approaches this because his role, no matter where he is, is going to be similar to that of what it will be on the Warriors. I can't see him going anywhere and, and having the exact you know, production or, or being dependent on as much as he was with the Warriors, especially later on in the season to a point where he was starting and playing the minutes that came along with it. And so it is going to be really interesting to just see what the the deciding the defining factors are for him is it going to be just that little bit of wiggle room when it comes to money is it going to be he knows that he can be successful for the Warriors and they, they, they do really value his input or is it gonna gonna take it somewhere else because you know we've seen him on all the different other teams that he's been on have a similar kind of impact so it's going to be interesting to see does he again try and just take that somewhere else or is he going to rely on what he knows has worked for this past year? Yeah, and you think about the personal stuff. His family's happy here. They love living in the Bay Area and all these different things. There's all these factors that play into it. That's what happens when you have a veteran player, right? These are the things. It's not as much always about money. But, hey, this might be his last chance at a bigger payday. Maybe he goes for it. Totally acceptable. But I'll put it this way. If he comes back and the Warriors bring him back, they will be very happy. The Warriors will be very happy about that. Finally, Andre Iguodala. And I know that's just so fun to think about. And I agree. It would be so incredible to see Andre Iguodala, you know, cap off his career, come back to the Warriors. And he'd be perfect. The, the exact, like the exact human they're talking about when they say what they need on the team. <laughs> like if you can mold a human, they're talking about like, yeah, let's bring back Andre Iguodala. Yeah, well, they actually say, well, we need an Andre Guadalla type player. So <laughs> yeah. what's better than an Andre Guadalla type than the man himself? <laughs> right, exactly. So is he going to be available? Not necessarily. There is a club option for $15 million. And you're going to be like, wait, there's no way on earth the Miami Heat are picking up that $15 million. But keep in mind, that is a salary slot that if they pick up, then they can do things with. They can trade him. They can do all these things and take back $15 million or more. It is an actual valuable piece to have somebody at that price point. Maybe they think he's valuable enough to be $15 million to be on the roster. But the point is, it isn't just a guarantee they're not going to take it on his club option. But if they don't, I mean, Andre Godala, I mean, he'd be available. The Warriors would go after him. Could they get him? Potentially. I mean, Godala lives in the Bay Area uh, during the offseason. This is his home. Uh, uh, you know how much he loves Steph and everybody, but you also know he's a businessman and he loves making money. So would he take more money somewhere else? Potentially would a team be like, I would take Andre Iguodala for one year for $9 million. Cause I'm trying to push that extra level in my playoff team. Sure. I, I, I mean, if I'm a GM, I would kind of think into that. So there's so many factors at play, but first, number one, it starts with that club option. If the Miami heat pick up that club option, Andre Godala will not be a Golden State Warrior unless he gets bought out by another team. Then they can get him again. So that's just putting it out there. Got to see that first domino before we move on, Kendra. I think if that first domino does fall, there could be a good chance that, that he comes back for all of the reasons that you just listed. And Andre has sacrificed for the Warriors before because he – see something and yes this 
makeup of this team is very different than the one that he took less pay for, you know, what, four or five years ago, but it's in his nature. And I think that's what the important part is, is that if he sees that it's going to be the correct move, because as you said, he is a businessman, he might be willing to make that sacrifice yet again for the long, for the long-term success. I think he is a long-term thinker for the most part. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, you can't you can't help but get excited about about what an, what Andre Iguodala could could do to this team because as I said, that's the the prototype player that they want is Andre Iguodala. So if they could get the actual thing, the actual guy, I think Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and Joe Lakeup would all have a little happy dance too. They'd have they'd have a little. Joe Lacob would buy them another $5,000 bottle of wine and <laughs> have a hoot. <laughs> all right, Andre, if you're coming to the Warriors, thank you for listening, by the way, to this pod all the time. Really appreciate it, Andre. And you'll get a $5,000 $5, bottle. I actually went to school with Andre's son. We were at the same school. Did Not in like very different. Uh, <laughs> I was in high school and he was like, you know, second year elementary school. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. That's how... I'm just, again, when you date yourself like that, it's like, I'm more likely to be in high school with Andre Iguodala than with his kid. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that another time. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. Um, So, okay. So those are the Warriors players. Now I want to group, this is a grouping that I have for, these are the players that the chances are they can make more money, but it's just a fact. If one of them falls through the cracks and lands to the Warriors because they ran out of teams finding a spot, or maybe one of them, like in the past, is willing to take less, maybe on the mid-level exception, and come to the Warriors and be like, I want to rebuild this thing. I love what you guys are doing. I've always wanted to play with Steph Curry and Draymond Green. I've always wanted to play for Steve Kerr. Any of those things, maybe these guys are available. All right. So all four of them, then there's a reason I'm picking them out, veterans that have been through plenty of playoff experience. And the Warriors know them very well. And all four of them have been in systems at some point in their career that resemble what the Warriors do. So these are the four. Paul Millsap, you're familiar with him from your time uh, covering the Denver Nuggets. Uh, P.J. Tucker, which obviously Warriors fans know very well. Danny Green. And I know I already know there's a bunch of Warriors fans rolling their eyes for many reasons about Danny Green, including the fact that it was him with the ACL tear for Clay Thompson in the end. That was him that contested Clay. And finally, Patty Mills, who's just been that thorn in the side of the Warriors on the Spurs. He's just such a little bug out there and he's just flying around. So uh, those four names are four that come to mind. Um, All of them would fit very well with the Warriors. All four in their own way can space the floor. PJ Tucker's a corner three guy. Paul Millsap, while he had less of a, you know, he wasn't as great from three this year, the year before he was fantastic. Patty Mills is just, he'll fire away from anywhere. And then Danny Green is your absolutely ideal, just set him up in a corner, put Clay in the other corner, and Steph Curry drives and hits him. And the Warriors could use some more corner help. So that's why PJ and him could work. So those are my four right now. Again, some of you may love some of them. Some of you may not. But remember, the resources are limited. So what are your thoughts? Is there one that comes to mind? Well, first I'll say by one of the reasons why Warriors fans don't like them is because they are good and because (laughs) they presented the Warriors with a lot of problems in the playoffs. 
that is a good thing to have on the other end. You know, you can, you can hate all you want for how good someone is, but if the opportunity comes for them to join, you stop hating because you don't like them because they made it harder for your team to win. They would help them win on this end. <laughs> so Warriors fans should get behind that idea. <laughs> and, and as you said, I mean, I think the, the, the biggest value or not the biggest, but one of the big values is that veteran mentality. I'll speak on Paul Millsap because as you said, you know, I, I got to work close with him when I was in Denver. And when I was in Denver, that was when the Nuggets were first really emerging as, as a playoff team and as a contending team. They were just, my first year there, they were just on the heels of their first playoff appearance. And they were a very young team. And what people kept saying about Paul Millsap was that he was the voice of reason, of, of maturity, of, of calm in that locker room where so many young guys had never experienced anything like that before. And he was always that calming presence. The Warriors could really use a guy like that because when you look at the veterans that they have now, the big two seasoned vets are Clay and Steph, or sorry, Draymond and Steph and Clay, but Draymond and stuff. When you, when I think of those two players, I don't think the calming voice of reason, and that's not a bad thing. They have their leadership styles and it works, but it's also important, I think, to have that overall, just very balanced mindset. And that's who Paul Millsap was. He is also a guy who's been a mentor to people in who play similar positions, which I think is also important for the Warriors to have. And I'm sure that that might be the case with some of the other names that you mentioned in that group before. I, I just don't personally know. But just having that kind of presence for this young team as they navigate their way back into the playoffs will be really important. And then you add in also the fact of how much they can open up the floor and all the things that they're actually really good players. It's not just that kind of wise old guy. It's a wise old guy who can also produce and has kept up their level of production as they've gotten older and as they've gone through their years in the league. So I, I think those are, those are four names that do make sense for the Warriors. Absolutely. And, and regarding Paul Millsap, to me, he gives off the and very different players and probably their styles are different, but that, um, that David West role with the Warriors was that, that guy that people can turn to as like, this man has been there before he's serious. And, you know, he just, he, he, he takes on that persona of the, the wise man that, that is in the locker room. And so Millsap would be great, you know, and then you think about, again, as you said, who can they instruct, who can they make better? I think the ideal human that, I mean, a player would want to be in Eric Paschal would be Paul Millsap. That is his ideal role person. I don't know if EP will even be on the team next year. I have no idea, but the point is, is that you can point out different guys that fit the mold. Patty Mills would be fantastic for Jordan Poole to talk to because that, uh, that is the type of person right there that they have similar games in that way. Um, you, PJ Tucker is, you know, you, you can put him just to learn the attitude of PJ Tucker and what he does to do at his size. Um, he would be fantastic. And then of course, Danny green is just somebody who's just, you just, you can watch play and just the way he approaches three-point shooting and the way he approaches his role would be fantastic. So those are four people right there. Let's move on to three that I think it's very hard to gauge their price. And let's start with uh, Otto Porter Jr. He was a guy coming off a huge contract. He's incredibly talented, but 
but he just hasn't found the consistency in the league. He'll have these moments where you're like, this great, this guy can be an incredible wing player. But again, consistency has not been there. He came out of that deal. He got bought out. He went to the Magic, did not play very well there. So now he's coming out. And I just, it's hard to read a market where, is this guy going to be a reclamation project where he's like a minimum deal guy? Or is he at the same time, a team going to be like, no, I think he's, he can produce right now. I think he can be in a mid-level guy. It's hard to know, but I do think he, the Warriors were interested in him already when he was bought out. So there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be interested at least. It just depends on the market for him. Another person uh, that I would put into that market is Nick Batum, Nicholas Batum of the Clippers. He was another guy that was very, rumors are, very close to signing with the Warriors. In the end, he signed up with the Clippers, and he had a really good season. He really did. He shot over 40% from three. He did all around things. He, he was a very, uh, he was just a big part of what the Clippers were doing in the regular season. And he kind of reestablished his career because he had kind of fallen off a little bit. Maybe he would be interested to come back to the Warriors now. He's made a ton of money already in his career. He's made over $150 million in his career already. So again, he's one of those people we don't know if he wants to hit another payday because he's able to right now. He made he did enough to get that payday again. Or does he want to just find a place where he can call home and just settle in? Batum would be great for the Warriors. He really would. His market, I, it just, could he get a two-year, $20 million deal? Potentially. Could he just have to settle on another mid-level? Maybe. I don't know. Finally. Another person that you covered with the Nuggets before and is now with the Suns is Tory Craig. And he, to me, is an interesting piece because he just people don't really know him. He's just he's just an underrated, under the radar guy who's a wing player, scrappy, defensive guy. But all of a sudden he's starting to shoot well from three with the Phoenix Suns. He shot 37 percent around there from three. So he's somebody that he's been playing on minimums his whole career. So at this point, you'd have to say, if he can, he'll try to get paid as much as possible and totally makes sense. What will the market be for him? We don't know, but I'm assuming the Phoenix Suns would want him back and other teams will look at it and be like, if I have some money, I want to give a little extra to Torrey Craig to bring him over. Yeah, if Torrey Craig can keep up his shooting, that is going to make his his market just, you know, go way up because that was the biggest issue when he was in Denver is he would be he was a specialist he was a defensive specialist but you wouldn't really want him out there when you need an offensive punch so if he can kind of become a bit more of a two-way player then that's really gonna boost boost his stock but yeah you know when we were talking before with Kelly Oubre and what Kelly Oubre wants in terms of money well that goes the other way for guys that warriors are targeting how much money are they going to be asking for because again they can't give them the kitchen sink right now. And especially for guys like an auto Porter junior and stuff who, whose value is still uncertain or is, can, can go either way. It, you would be hesitant to, to give you everything and more, you know? So it's that those are names definitely that the market is going to determine a lot of what the Warriors do because they have to, they have to be very mindful of that stuff. And if you, if Kelly Oubre is asking for a similar thing as what Tory Craig is asking for, well, does it make sense to give it to Tory Craig instead of Kelly Oubre or things like that? Well, for someone like Tory Craig, you know, is it, the type of thing where the Warriors even care about putting someone like him on a mid-level exception when, I mean, he, you can't, 
you have to be able to rely on him as a shooter. They need shooting. And so maybe a minimum deal, but he should be able to get more than that. It's just somebody that depending on how the market shakes out, um, it, it just, you'll have to see, but the Warriors obviously should be interested in him. It's just really deciding is that three point shot for real or not. And that's something they need to figure out. Um, speaking of three point shot, I have a couple of names for you here. And to close it out, I just, you know, and there's, and I'll bring up a bunch of other names in the future, but in this case, we're talking about veterans that have been there, done that, have been connected to the Warriors many times in the past and are on the tail end of their careers. And these guys to me are minimum contract guys. Could they get more money probably from the Warriors or anyone else? Yes, potentially. But if the Warriors are adding them, it's because they got the opportunity to have them on a minimum. And that is JJ Redick. And that is Trevor Ariza. Warriors fans have a weird relationship with both of them, again, because they have been there. They have done that. They've gone into it a little bit with Warriors fans in the past. JJ has been tied to the Warriors multiple times. JJ Redick did not have a good season this last season. He's also a guy that wants to pretty much be on the East Coast because that's where his family is. That's what he that's what he knows best. But he also has said in the past that Warriors do interest him. As for Trevor Ariza, Ariza came back this season he was kind of out of the league for a second and he's been playing really well for the Miami heat. They've been using him. He's been doing all the things that Trevor Reza does at this stage of his career. Would the warriors want to give the mid-level exception for him? I don't know. I'm not sure if they fully believe that Ariza is enough of a game changer to, to keep him in that role and bring him in, but he does bring all the intangibles that they'd want and he could potentially get a bigger payday than what the warriors could do. But if somehow these guys go, I want a minimum, then to me, it just, it just makes sense that these people are the ones that Warriors would obviously reach out to. You get the shooting with JJ and you get just his overall ability to be a veteran uh, presence on the team. And then with Trevor Risa, you get that lanky Iguodala type ish player. Um, he's not as cerebral as, uh, as Iguodala, but he is somebody that can bring that experience as well. So those are two people that, I would eyeball if they fall through the cracks and decide that they're willing to go West coast and play over there. You know, Ariza played for the Lakers for so many years and obviously Reddick played for the Clippers for so many years. So they, they have connections out there. Um, but th those two guys are just names I saw on the list. And I'm like, man, it, it, it would make too much sense, but also it'd be hard to do. Right. If, if they're there, then that's great. The Warriors, you know, their offense is needs improvement they were a top five defensive team. And that is not to say that their defense is perfect because it definitely wasn't. And will the Warriors offense just get better inherently with Clay Thompson coming back? Yes. But especially in that second unit, they do need more production. They need more scoring. They need more shooting. And those are two guys, as you said, if they happen to be there could help while also giving that veteran presence that we've repeated so many times is so important. So it would it, it would be nice. It would definitely be nice. Yeah. So those are some names out there. Um, you know, as we go forward, obviously, again, these are just possibilities. There's no rumors right now. None of that right now. That is just, it's just, these are potential people that the Warriors could pursue. As we go along through the off season, we will start to hear rumors. We will start to get a better sense of what options are getting picked up. Who's saying they want to stay where? And, and we'll bring all that. And in that case, also, you and I will get a chance to really put a, together a list of who do we want the Warriors and who do we think the Warriors will go after or should go after and who would make them better. So 
all of that will come. But right now, I think uh, I think we did a good job, Kendra, of just kind of setting the tone. That is pretty much your top of the line unre- unrestricted free agents that could almost land with the Warriors. I did want to include Derek Rose because he's been tied to the Warriors so many times in the past. He'd be perfect. But like for what he's doing with New York, I don't know what Tom Thibodeau would do to make Derek Rose leave because like Tom like worships Derek Rose and what he does with them. So I, I just don't, he'll give him the max contract before he lets him leave, but Hey, why not? Derek Rose. There you go to um, Kendra. This is fun. We should do it again. We should. Speculation is the best, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'm a sucker for it. I, <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. But like, not to a level where it's like people get so worked up about yeah. it and start creating these rumors or things. No, it's just kind of eyeballing the situation, seeing who could be out there and the things that fans very rarely really take into account is the other, the player needs to want to come to the Warriors. Not don't be entitled to think that everyone wants to come to the Warriors because they truly do not. And that's not against them for doing that. Everyone has their reasons. Just keep, keep remembering. I just keep remembering what Bob Meyer said of people said they don't want to come here. <laughs> and and then, that sounds really aggressive when I said that, but so what I'm saying is sometimes it might be the front office's fault that whoever didn't end up on the Warriors or, or the team, but there are other situations that it is not the GM's fault or whoever's fault the player decided to go a different route and it's going to be I'm very very interested to see how the Warriors are are viewed by these guys throughout the league because this isn't who they used to be and I'm very curious to see if what they did this past year may have changed some minds of guys who didn't want to be here before absolutely all good points Kendra you killed it on this one absolutely you actually always kill but oh, thank you. oh my gosh! Thank I just needed to, you know. I was just, I talked a lot on this one, so you know, whatever. All right. Um, thank you so much for listening. Really, always uh, thank you and uh, feedback as much as you can. Subscribe, rate, do all those things. This is the Dubstock Podcast, brought to you by Wendy's, and I hope you have a good one. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.